Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, coming to you on January the 9th for episode 328. Today we're going to talk about leadership, the problem with leadership, or the lack thereof. Now, over the weekend, there was a social media post made by somebody out in Fort Worth that I hold in great esteem, and I value her opinion on all things political. And uh, I think her husband's a hoot and feel the same way about him. She was remarking at how she found that there were 50 some odd deacons, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the specifics, but basically, wouldn't it be great if these guys were active outside of the church? I mean, even if 10% of them were involved in the local politics or the local government. And I will tell you, I've spent a lot of time covering this on my show. Interestingly enough, somebody remarked back, and it might have been even more than one, that, well, one, of one, the church isn't the pastor, agreed. Two, that we shouldn't be dependent upon church leadership to show us the way. Okay, that's fair too. And three, as, as the church is the people, it's ultimately every citizen's responsibility to lead or to press for change. Yes, that's true too. All the above. Everything this person stated is largely true. I have no argument with other than I believe the person missed the point. The point being is the majority of the general public wishes to be led. Now, whether you think that's a good thing or not, that's the nature of the beast. That is the world we live in today. At least two generations, if not many more, have been conditioned to follow the leader, have been conditioned to obey rules, have been conditioned to not question things and to follow when so directed. So it becomes incumbent upon those people that are in leadership to, in fact, lead and lead well. So that is the premise of what I'm going to talk about. So, for instance, in my city of McKinney, there are many things that could be said about the leadership of the city of McKinney. And I'm going to do my level best to avoid making any of this personal because I don't personally have anything against generally anybody in leadership anywhere. It all goes down to the principles at play and the policies enacted and the way that they go about doing it. So if I were to look at my city, I could admit that my mayor has been effective in getting his things taken care of. Now, if you want to argue they're not his or that, you know, he's doing somebody else's bidding or all, that's fine. But he has been effective in getting his message out and telling his side of the story and Whether that's good or bad for McKinney, we're going to set that aside for the moment. We're going to acknowledge that he has been successful at doing that. And there is a certain percentage of our population in the city that is excited about that and is willing to follow it to the nth degree, the leadership that 
is instilled in that. Now, whether or not this is good leadership, that's a second part of the scenario. But just giving credit where credit is due. So if you're looking to counteract that, if you're looking to push back against that because you disagree, again, avoiding the issue of whether this is good or bad, if you if you disagree, if you're going to push back, one, you have to have an articulate answer or question or better still, you have to have an affirmative defense as well as an alternative application. So whatever it is, if you don't like it, before you criticize it, you ought to have something that you could do instead or a reason why doing anything is a bad idea. So that's a challenge. And for those opposing some of the policies, we haven't been good at that, right? If we're going to start the year fresh, if we're going to evaluate what's been going on, the counter for the uh, city leadership has been lacking. Not for lack of trying, not for lack of effort, not for lack of ideas, but just as far as a cohesive team pushing back with good answers. Now, I would say we have been quite a bit more successful when it comes to the school board situation, right? And again, I don't want to rehash everything involved with that, but the school board has largely been ineffective and hasn't done anything to address several key issues that have been brought before them for over a year. They've been stagnant at best. As a matter of fact, it's been brought to my attention by the person that did it. That would be Philip Hassler. For those of you that uh, question me, Philip Hassler is on record on video indicating that they made a decision that this company, which is um, a search team, if you will, of, or a lawyer's firm, that has none other than Mike Moses on their team, which, and if you don't know who Mike Moses was, he was the former superintendent of Dallas. And he fled. And then he went to go work for the TEA, which is the Texas Education Association. And now he's got this gig where he goes around and helps cities do, or school districts do searches for key personnel. Now, myself, personally, I have a real problem with going to a guy that quit his job that he had signed a contract for and then went to another gig and then used that gig to create a search firm to find people for school districts. I'm not considering that a really strong track record, notwithstanding anything that's been done. Just as a practical record, it doesn't make any sense. But apparently Philip Hassler and some undefined people made a decision before their special public meeting that this was the best way to go and that anybody that would question that is out of line and out of order and they shouldn't be given any traction. They shouldn't been even involved in the situation because they know what's best. Now, this is before public testimony was taken. This is before any other considerations were looked at. This was Philip Hassler saying that even though we are quite possibly in violation of the law or Texas Ethics Commission or what other specifications go with the Public Meetings Act, we decided that this was the best option. 
And I would like to know when and where that occurred and where the public comment was and where a public record was. So Philip Hassler is directly related that they've made a decision outside of the requirements put forth by the state of Texas. Okay, so let's put this in perspective. They've had a year to figure out a good policy for dealing with pornographic books, for lack of a better way to explain it, just books that make parents uncomfortable. They've had a year to correctly address, in my opinion correctly, address the issues with critical race theory and social emotional learning, which they say is not in the curriculum, which is technically true in that there is not a curriculum labeled CRT, but it is an application. And I've talked about this before, so we're going to avoid re-litigating this, if you'll allow me to use that term. And they have not addressed that. They have, however, found time to not once but twice go after Chad Green. Strangely enough, for an offense, at least on one account, an offense that they are all guilty of. Again, this is not good leadership. This is not indicative of somebody that we should trust to move the issues forward. Now, you can say what you want about the city hall, but at least they're effective in getting stuff done that somebody wants done. Whereas the school board, the school district is not so uh, effective. Now, some would say that's probably for the best because most of their policies that they would support were less than stellar. But I'll go back and remind you to the credit of the school district. They did stop with some of the silly masking requirements. They did open the schools back up and, you know, kind of try and figure out a way to do that. So again, credit where credit is due. But I think that had less to do with what the school district wanted and more to do with the parents and the teachers pushing back and telling them this is what we need to be doing. Now, some of you are aware of the crisis, and that's the term used, in Frisco ISD, whereupon they're losing a lot of good teachers. They're not keeping them and they're having to then go find new teachers. That result brought them in two new members of their school board who have been highly effective. That would be uh, Marvin and Stephanie. And they're fighting the good fight there. And I am quite confident that the next go around, they're going to get a few more members that are willing to address these tough issues. While in McKinney, nobody addresses anything. Now, I don't know if it's because the school board president wants to cowardly hide behind the fact that there is nothing on the agenda so they can't speak to it, or if it's they're afraid that if they give people more than a minute to address concerns that have been lingering for over a year, they might look bad. I don't know if it's that they're just trying to corral Chad Green, who quite frankly has some ideas or options that maybe we should consider or be made public. But we don't want to allow that either. And it's gotten to the point where apparently, and this is the way it looks, the school board president has recruited her friend, the mayor, to come in and talk bad about Chad Green and to 
basically tell us everything is great and the school district is awesome and there's no problems here and there's nothing to see here and everybody does great work. I think the term is gaslighting. Some would say it's creative BS. But the problem is, is we're all watching what's going on and we know better. We see it with our own eyes. Now, you, if you want to go in and test McKinney against some other school districts, we're still going to be better. If you want to test McKinney 2021 to 2022, yeah, we're probably slightly better. Nobody doubts any of that. But we were an A-rated school district. We were a gem, if you will, in some people's eyes, in Collin County for the school district. The same could have been said about Frisco or McKinney, that these were excessively great school districts that everybody wanted to put their children in. Is that still the case? Now, I mean, if you want to compare us to Dallas, okay, I like that, fine. We're much better than Dallas. But look what Dallas has to deal with. Look at, look at the mess that Dallas has. Oh, and by the way, we've just hired the firm that has the guy that used to run Dallas come in and tell us who we need to find to run McKinney ISD. Forgive me if I'm not feeling overly confident that that's a good idea. Forgive me if I have questions or doubts about whether or not this is something we ought to be doing. Hey, but that's okay because our school board, apparently on their own, made this decision without any input or considering any other opportunities or any other offers from competitors. But that's okay. They couldn't make a decision for a year on several key issues that are very important to a group of parents. But in this issue, which would involve all parents... Because it involves the entire school district. Well, don't worry about it. We've already come up with something. Which is, in my opinion, less than stellar. Okay, so I've covered uh, the city. And I've covered the school district. Now let's go back and revisit the city for just a moment, because I feel like if I leave this sleeping dog lie, some people are going to critique me unfairly. So again, let me rehash the issue here. I am not questioning whether or not the things that the mayor wants to do are good or bad. I am merely indicating that he's quite good at getting his story out of telling uh, his vision whether or not you agree with said vision is an entirely different thing. When I look at, for instance, and this is just this for instance here, I look at the Highway 5 revisions. There's no doubt in my mind that Highway 5 needs to be revisited. There are some issues there, particularly as the city looks to continue to grow, as they're revitalizing and reimagining the east side of Highway 5, it becomes increasingly important to have good access by foot from one side of Highway 5 to the other. Now, whether you think that either of the three proposals is ideal or the best, again, they have given you three choices. In their mind, it's maybe a good, better, best, or a this is the bare minimum we 
can do and still be functional. And this is the ideal, the pie in the sky best thing. Again, whether you agree with either of those three is not relevant. They gave you an opportunity to be heard. They're going to review this and they're going to choose one. Now, they're not cheap. And I've heard, and, and, and to some extent, I understand exactly what is meant by this. We're going to get the feds to pay for this. Or we're going to get the state to pay for this. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I understand what's meant by that. And I'm hard-pressed to take a lot of time to explain that we're really still using our own money to do something. But that being said, that's the sales pitch. I mean, it's not unlike what the Donald used when talking about his wall. And a whole lot of people from my team, right? The the guys with the R's after their name told us this is great and it's going to be awesome. And how dare you question it? And of course, of course, this is going to happen. Government doesn't make money. You can even argue government doesn't really create money. That's what the Federal Reserve does through fractional banking. But the reality is the people that make money, the people that create money, are we the people. And in this instance, it's just another form of debt. So if we were to look at the scenario and say, is this worth... $300 million worth of debt, or is this worth $100 million worth of debt? Or you know what? For that kind of debt, we'll just leave it the way it is. And in a perfect world, which doesn't exist, that would be the way it would be laid out. Notwithstanding the idea that the federal government has spent us into oblivion, and there really is no money left to be spent that is ever going to be paid back, And multiple generations of our progeny are slave debt, slaves to debt, excuse me. And we've done that. And I know it's convenient to blame the boomers, but hey, Gen X, you've had a lot of time to do something about this. And I mean, even the millennials, I mean, they just think that why not? Again, if you have good leadership... If you have quality people that put aside their personal desires and look at what's best for the community, they would take the time out to explain it as this is what it is. These are the options that we feel that would work best. This is the minimal amount of money that we think has to be spent in order to make this functional for the future. This is the best design we could come up with. You, the people that are going to be saddled with this debt for an unforeseeable amount of time, what do you think about this? Now, I know they might say it's a 20 or 30 year bond. Okay, fine. But when you keep piling on more and more bonds, which is debt, loans, there's not a definitive end to that. And I think a lot of us miss that. And when I say a lot, I just mean we, the general public, we, the people don't necessarily understand that that's how that's working. We're not doing anybody any favors by spending a bunch of money we don't have. So, I think I've covered that. I feel comfortable with that. Now, let me pivot over to the idea that when you have leaders, they have certain responsibilities. Which was the other part of this. 
So if you are a leader in a local church, now we've already talked about the school districts and the city council. So we're going to set those aside for a moment. But if you're in leadership of local church, that would be a separate entity that has its own membership. They choose to be part of it. They invest their time, money, and efforts, and they look to the leadership of the church to give direction. This is the right thing to do. This is the way that we feel is best. This is the biblical answer. This is servant leadership. Whatever tagline or keywords you want to use here, this is the expectation of the flock is that their shepherd's going to point them in the right way. Now, some would say, hey, you've got it all in your Bible in front of you. You know everything that you need to do. Okay, maybe that's true. There's a lot of people that don't read it or don't know any better or, quite frankly, put their trust in man who is reading it for them. And when you do that, you're going to be let down and I'll attest to that firsthand. But the idea that the pietist idea is so prevalent in the United States is crazy to me. We would have no United States if all of our pastors and all of our deacons and all of our elders were a bunch of pietists. They'd had enough and they stood up and they said, look, the king is wrong. There are biblical reasons why we can part ways with the king. The same could be said when, you know, the governments looked to dissolve into two separate entities in the lead up to the Civil War. There was biblical reasons to do that. Now, we're going to avoid the whole issue of slavery because some people can't ever see past that. But yes, it was a terrible thing, but both sides were guilty of it. That's all I'm going to say about that. And now we can't even get the vast majority of pastors, elders, or deacons to get off their butts and go out and do anything political. Now, in fairness, the Catholic Church has been quite adamant and quite active in the pro-life community. There would be no heartbeat bill without the pro-life Catholics. And in fairness, there were some Protestants that showed up from time to time. And probably the majority of the representatives that actually voted to push that through are Protestant. But again, there would be nothing without the heat to bear courtesy of the Catholic Church. Now, in my opinion, the Catholic Church gets a whole other lot of things wrong. We're not going to go into those theological debates. But on this one thing, they have been consistent and effective. But what if we were to look at any number of other things that the churches know from their understanding of the revealed Word of God in the Bible and basic understanding of Ten Commandments? That there are certain things that people can't do, shouldn't do, ought to be illegal. And quite frankly, if it's illegal for a person to do it, probably ought to be illegal for government to do it. For you libertarians out there, yes, taxation too. But at the end of the day, we all make decisions and we sacrifice some things for the betterment of society or the betterment of the community. So sometimes we do things that in a perfect world or an ideal thing, we wouldn't need to do this. But at what point do we delineate where the end is? At what point do we, I don't know, get a local church to come out and say, hey, you know what? Um, we're not looking to actually ban any books, but 
the school district or the school libraries, which is paid for by government dollars, which took the money from the people, which means it's the people's money, ought not be spending it on pornographic materials. They ought not be polluting children's minds. No, we can't get them to do that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's at least one church in my city that has actually done that. Now, there's some that say they're on our side, still waiting to see them. Come on, guys. This is your opportunity. We talk about a lot of other issues where there could be mm, more than one answer, more than one Christian answer, if you will. But you still have to have that debate. You have to have that discussion. You know, if the church ultimately decides that we don't agree enough that we want to take action on this issue, but they at least have the discussion, that's one thing. So I'm going to give you a for instance. And this is one thing I think that my church did well back in the day. We as a church got together. We helped create a uh, organization called 3E. Um, basically, how can we help people in our community? That was the goal. Uh, equip, engage. I want to say the other one was empower. It was a few years ago. I'm sorry. I don't remember off the top of my head. And it's been going for three and known as 3E and then whatever. We actually put this together and we, we did a number of events and different things to help out the community. And it was determined over time that some of these events and some of these things that we were doing were having a negative effect. And we took the time to consider whether or not we ought to continue doing it or do something else or maybe tweak it. Now I got to give credit to at least my church. I don't know what the other churches in this organization did, but we looked at it and we're like, yeah, Maybe we're not helping like we thought we were. Maybe maybe this is devolved into nothing but virtue signaling. Maybe this is um, empowering people to make bad mistakes. This is not giving us a good resolution. Maybe. Well, we had those discussions and we determined we were going to do things a little differently. Okay, that's good. And it was done within, a, I guess, the leadership, if you will, of the church. But they came to the body and said, hey, this is what we think. We would like your feedback. And this is what we're going to do to get everybody at least on the same page here. So that's good, right? The church made the right move. They they did something here. There was a value and they, and they reevaluated after it was done, whether or not it was having the impact that they wanted it to have and whether or not they should continue it. That's all good. But now let's look at something else. There are any number of issues that are active and of concern to a great number of people. But because of unknown issues, they refuse to address them. And hey, look, all the churches are really super good about saying, well, Democrats can be Christians too. Okay. Does that surprise anybody? I mean, did anybody actually say that if you're a Democrat, you can't be Christian? I would suggest that uh, they're selling something there. Church leadership is. I'm not sure what it is. We bend over backwards to make certain people feel, I don't know, comfortable, welcome in the church of God. And Jesus loves you too. And that's all well and good. And it's true. But there are certain expectations of I don't know, behavior or activities that you would do if you call yourself a Christian. 
And and yes, there's some grace because we all fail. We all, but again, if the church isn't even going to lead the church on this issue, how could we expect these people to leave the church and then go out and lead in their community around them? Because part of leadership is leading by example. Part of leadership and leading by example requires you to do something outside the church doors. So when I look and I see effective leadership, not necessarily good leadership, but effective leadership in the city level, I see a mess at the school district. And I look at the local churches and I ponder as to why the leadership of those churches are so silent so flaccid and i wonder if this just doesn't have to do with the whole idea of we have raised multiple generations of men to be pusillanimous worthless individuals and if we aren't really reaping the seeds that we have sown the whole idea of the slippery slope and everybody used it as a fallacy and it doesn't really matter i mean a doesn't or b doesn't necessarily follow a Yes, there's not a requirement, but that's most likely going to be outcome if you're going to put things in alphabetical order. Likewise, when you look at something and historically C is followed B, which is followed A, it's a fair supposition that that's going to happen again. And while we're at it, since I'm going to be apparently popping everybody on the nose today, let us consider our state reps the state reps and the state senator, for that matter, have been largely absent as all these things are going on in the school district. Now, I, for one, have a lot of grace. I don't necessarily think that a state rep ought to be involved in everything that goes on in the municipal area they live or even the school district where they live. But there are certain instances where I don't know, the state rep maybe could show up and say, hey, school district, school board, it would be ideal if you would solve this issue because we don't really want to have to go down to Austin and get involved in this. We would like to leave you that right, that opportunity to do the right thing here, to take control of this issue. This is really not a state issue, but if you're not going to do it, we're going to have to handle it at the state level. They haven't really done that. And I know there's a whole lot of apologists out there who are going to say, well, you don't know what they're doing behind the scenes and you don't know the pressure. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But the idea is when you're leading, your people know that you're leading and that you're doing something. And it's extremely frustrating to hear my friend call out these folks time after time again, show up and speak on these issues. Let the people know this is what you think. Show your support for doing the right thing and protecting the children. And they don't do it. And it's extremely disappointing. Now there's, you know, the theory that, oh, they're afraid of losing their race. Oh, they're afraid of this. They're afraid of that. Okay, that's fine. Maybe. But the race has been over for two months now. Where have they been? And some of them weren't even up for re-election. Where have they been? I, I, I don't know. I, and to me, this is confusing. There, there's the idea that you're supposed to stay in your lane, right? You, you, the municipal government shouldn't be nosing into the the uh, county government insofar as that there's no overlap present. And the school district ought not be nosing into the city and the city vice versa. And quite frankly, the county generally should stay out of both of those, right? Stay in your lane. Okay, I get that. 
And that's kind of nice. They should work together. We're a team. Yeah. Again. And if you have effective leadership, they do that time and time again. And they publicly notate what they've done together as a team. And we do have some of that in Collin County and quite frankly, even in the city of McKinney. Got to give credit where credit is due. School district, not so much. And we can run around and talk about how great we think the school district is. And and we can continue to lie to people that there's nothing wrong here. There's nothing to see. And there's a bunch of cranks and they don't know what they're talking about. But that's not the case. It's clearly not the case. And just because the churches don't want to get involved, because the churches don't want to get their hands dirty, doesn't mean that it's not true. So that leads us to the problem. I've said time and time again that if your state reps don't listen to you, we need to replace them. Perhaps the same now needs to come to churches, right? If your church leadership, if your pastor is not willing to, I don't know, draw the line in the sand, get up at the pulpit and say right is right and wrong is wrong, and that we really don't live in a clown world, it's just some people think that it is, maybe you need to look for another church. And then when we translate that it back to our state reps, which is where we've started now in this section, we look at the idea that the state rep <clears throat> is supposed to represent us at the state level, and the state actually controls both the school district, the cities, or municipal districts, if you will, and the counties. So ultimately, everything that happens is under the purview of the state government. I don't want the state to have to run any of that. I believe localism is the way. But when you have local tyranny and local abuse, and you have no other option because we the people are tamped down, we are dependent on the state to come in and say, no, you're abusing power. No, you can't do that. You must stop. But unfortunately, That's not likely to happen because our state is guilty of the very same thing. If you doubt me, go look and see if we're still under an emergency declaration. Yeah, 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 I know. It's all about the money. Whatever. The governor usurped power and abused power. And he's been doing it since 2020. And we tolerated it. We reelected him. And we think it's a good thing, but it's not. The state representatives and the state senators had an opportunity to do something about it in 2020 to rein it in, and they chose not to. I'm sorry, 2021, excuse me, 2021. They did nothing. They had multiple special sessions called by the governor, and they didn't even address all those issues then and there. So why would we expect in 2023 that we would get a different result? Now, yes, we've got a few new state reps, maybe a a few new state senators. Maybe that's wishful thinking. But at a certain point, we have to come to the understanding that they're only concerned about their power, their prestige, their authority. They don't really want to solve the problem. They're not really concerned with doing the right thing. I mean, isn't that the only logical conclusion we must come to after a certain point? Now, I sincerely hope they prove me wrong. I sincerely hope that the pressure brought to bear by all the people that are going to be visiting down in Austin in a couple of days, I think the 12th, and then multiple weeks thereafter, and the and the constant uh, weekly calls that are going to occur. And for those of you that don't recall, yeah, that's Brandon Borden and his North Texas conservatives. They've got buses. Oh, and by the way, Collin County Republican Party is also 
hired a boss. They're going to go down on the 12th, and I think they had something scheduled for the 24th. Check in with them. It's a marginal cost, right? It's 40, 50, 60 bucks, somewhere in that ballpark. I don't know where they're at right now. I think it was 60 is the last I heard. Uh, $60 to get a bus ride from here in Collin County down to Austin, spend the day down in Austin, get a bus ride back. That's pretty reasonable. You don't have to drive. You don't have to think. You just go there, go talk to your state reps, your state senator, and then come back home. They've done all the legwork for you. Just show up where they tell you to show up and you'll be taken care of. Now, you might need to buy a little food while you're down there, but again, we're not asking much here. Go down, put the heat on them. Let them know what you expect. It would be lovely if we get an elder or a pastor or a deacon to get on this bus ride and go down there. Oh, wait a minute. Brandon Burden is a pastor. Oh, so we do have another pastor that's doing something. Where are you, church? <clears throat> Here we go. And and for those of you that forgot, you can look up for Colin Strong. Yep. Uh, Brian and the guys over there, they have weekly Zoom calls with the leadership down in Austin from Collin County, our representatives, our state senator. And I think even from time to, we're going to get the congressman in and some of the party leadership. Brian does a nice job of giving everybody an opportunity to listen to what these people have to say. And you get an opportunity, some of you, get an opportunity to put back, well, this is the stuff we really want and expect you guys to fix and handle. I mean, these are all opportunities. It's a low threshold of involvement or effort on your part. And if you're not willing to do this, really don't want to hear you complain about what's going on. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is a problem with leadership. We have leaders that don't want to lead. We have leaders that lead uh, not for the benefit of the community as a whole. We have people that, quite frankly, just don't act like leaders. And then we have leaders that ought not be leaders. I'll let you decide who's who and what should be done. I'm I'm here today just to talk about the problem in leadership. We took it from McKinney all the way up to the Texas um, government, right? Those folks down in Austin. And I would be remiss if I don't leave you with this one final thought. The governor of Texas sits in a big chair. And I mean that figuratively. He has a lot of responsibilities. But the same could be said of the lieutenant governor and the speaker of the house. They have a lot of responsibilities and a lot of expectations put upon them. And if they don't rise to the challenge, again, metaphorically, then they ought to be replaced. They don't deserve to have the job just because they have the job. They don't deserve to have the job just because they have the most amount of money. And if we, the people aren't willing to put some skin in the game, if we, the people aren't willing to hold them accountable, why should we expect anything to change or get better? Ultimately, when you look in the mirror, that's where your leader should be. And if you're a Christian, and not all of you are, but if you're a Christian, that should reflect Christ and the example he set for us. If you're not, then yeah, it stops at the mirror. 
You're not going to see anything beyond yourself. I'm sorry. I get it. I don't hold that against you. Doesn't mean we can't work together to hold these people accountable. Doesn't mean that we can't work together to protect liberty. It doesn't mean that we can't work together to stop the tyranny. It doesn't mean that we can't work together to accomplish so many other things. Among them, holding these people accountable comes first and foremost to mind. And with that, before I go, let me remind you, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends about the show. If you feel so inclined, leave a comment or a rating. It helps a lot. We are growing. We're still growing. We're getting the message out. We want to make sure that these people know that we're paying attention. We want to lead by example, and that means that we have to put in the effort. And with that, this has been According to Callus. I'll see you on the other side. Canceled by the big tech mafia, but inadvertently profiting from owning their stocks in the mutual fund or ETF. At Two Pillars, they believe that censorship is a form of violence and a business practice that does not promote human flourishing. In many cases, through their investigative screening process, they can help you divest from companies that are denying your God-given, inalienable right to speak freely. Hey, patriots, Two Pillars believes it's time for conservatives to align their values and investments. Two Pillars is your place for impact investing in the parallel economy. Find out what's in your investment portfolio with a complimentary portfolio review. Contact them today to learn more. Call toll-free at 833-377-0051 or send an email to info at twopillarsam.com. That's info at T-W-O-pillarsam.com. Get started today. Advisory services are offered through Jacob and Boaz Asset Management, LLC, doing business as Two Pillars Asset Management or Two Pillars. A registered investment advisor in the states of Texas and California. Two Pillars is not endorsed by any government agency and is not engaged in the practice of law or tax advice.